correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, Steve. So, first things first, we have a podcast of the week. Take it away, Steve. Yes, Order 66 is basically your one-stop podcast for everything Star Wars RPG. Between Chris and Phil and uh, sometimes Dave and whoever else they happen to bring on, uh, last episode I listened to was actually GM Chris, GM Phil, and GM Hooley talking all about using the Genesis movement rules in Star Wars and how it makes a bunch of things, especially with space combat, work better. And, I mean, this was a three, three-and-a-half-hour deal. They did a little little actual play segment to demonstrate, you know, how it all functioned and everything. But, I mean, these these people, this is this is their thing. This is, they, GM Chris in particular, you know, he eats, drinks, sleeps, breathes Star Wars RPGs. That is his jam. So, uh... Yeah, if you're interested in the Star Wars RPG at all from Edge Studios or Fantasy Flight Games, check them out. You can find them pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. It's the Order 66 podcast, and we'll put a link for it to show notes. Yeah, check out Order 66. So today, we're going to get into alignments, and it's not what you think. Uh, we're not talking squarely about D&D alignments. Uh, we're actually going to get into... Well, I think just talk about them in general, because, well, you know... Yeah. Well, to be honest, most of the games that that you and I seem to find ourselves gravitating towards at this point in our lives don't actually use an alignment system, but you know, because it's used in Dungeons and Dragons and and Pathfinder from what research I've done uses essentially the exact same alignment system as Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it is a what do you say, it's a touch point for people in the hobby. And of course, you know, lately you've been seeing all the memes about what alignment is, you know, this font or this food or, you know, et cetera, how you store your dice, whatever. <laughs> well, and the fact of it is, is that I think what it's getting down to is me and you are starting to play morally gray games where alignment is a little bit harder to define. I think that's fair. So what, what sort of brings us into a more modern games or more games that we're interested in recently has not been so much the the good, the bad, the evil, you know, that type of thing. It's more along the lines of how interesting can I make this story? And, and, you know, alignment tends to get muddy. I think sometimes alignment gets lost and alignment systems get a little bit confusing because I know back when I started playing D and D and I looked at the alignment chart, I was like, Oh, so if I pick an alignment, that's anything, but what I've started referring to as chaotic, stupid, I have to be, have to be this particular way because, and I hate to say it, but second edition, when I started playing a D and D, they were a lot more strict about alignment than any other version of that game has been. Second edition particularly was like, if you were to break alignment, you lost 10,000 XP and possibly a level depending on which came first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, 
whoa, okay. And that's, I mean, well, good people can do bad things and bad people can do good things. And that's where I think a, a, a more neutral alignment system comes in. And you had actually brought up Rifts. And I know we've talked about Rifts a lot, but Rifts has a really nice alignment system. Yeah, it does. It's, it's much different than the, the classic, you know, nine point system that pretty much everyone knows from D&D. But I think maybe before we get into the way Palladium has done it, because, you know, it's in Rifts, but it's also the same one they use in Palladium Fantasy and I believe Heroes Unlimited and et cetera. But I think, you know, like you were saying, though, I think a lot of people that somewhere there became this conception that your alignment was a I, I want to say I don't know how I, I can't a think moral of the right compass? word. No, more than that. Okay. You know, the, the, like a driving if, force. Well, to 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 paraphrase, you know, we we if you've ever played second edition Dungeons and Dragons, you know the phrase lawful stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which was the the way that many people insisted that lawful good had to be played, that you were Mr. Goody Two Shoes and always did the right thing according to the rule and blah 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 blah. And then you had, you know, and then I've had people insist that to technically buy the book to play a chaotic neutral character, every decision should be made with a coin flip. Well, on some level, I understand, or rather true neutral, not chaotic neutral. True neutral is one that we'll have a conversation with. I I don't want to get into it right this second and completely derail, but a true neutral character we need to actually talk about because I have opinions on that. But yeah, we're, you know, so... you know, to to kind of break down the Dungeons and Dragons alignment system, though, you know, because I think that's the one more people are familiar with. You know, you have these two axes, right? You have a good versus evil axis, and you have a law versus or law or order versus chaos alignment, you know, or axis. And so, you know, so to speak, like the old um, the the stupid chart you used to have to use in algebra class, graphing equations, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a whole big area on there, and like you said, you know, if you look at, at people in real life or even characters in media, very seldom is anyone pigeonholed exactly as whatever. I mean, okay, to, to you know, because this should come out during our Mutants and Masterminds playthrough, yeah, Captain America probably fall as lawful good. But then what about, you know, say someone like... You know, to to stay in the superhero thing, but we didn't use him in in that. What about someone like um, Peter Quill, Star Lord? You know, what is he? I mean, he's chaotic usually, good, probably. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like he does some pretty crappy stuff too. Yeah, that's why I say chaotic good because see, that's my problem with the D and D classification is because D and D's classification of chaotic good is somebody who's well meaning, but sometimes can do not so good things they do good for the they do good for the betterment of everything but it's it's they'll do whatever is necessary for the greater good that's what i was looking for they'll do what's necessary for the greater good and that's a chaotic good character in in more recent versions of dnd and i understand it i don't necessarily agree with that but yeah Another media character that, that you and I are both familiar with is uh, the character Baji, played by Nick Frost in um, Into the Badlands. Yeah. I guess he would qualify as chaotic good, but, you know, like, I mean, he, he flips on the main character at one point, 
but then he ends up being on his side. He's complex. And I think at least in practice, if not in rules as written, the classic Dungeons and Dragons alignment system has been enforced in a very, what do you want to say, rigid video game type of mentality, as opposed to being, this is kind of your general outlook, but it's not a strict whatever. Well, I think that's part of it's sort of sad because part of it is that in more modern editions of Dungeons and Dragons, we've seen the whole system just sort of get thrown out the window. You still pick an alignment in fifth edition, but it's really emphasized in the book that eh, this isn't as important as people used to make it out to be. Mm. And that's kind of sad because I hate to say it, but alignment could be a bigger deal than what they're making it out to be in the fifth edition. And it's also not as big of a deal as it was made out to be in the earlier editions. You know what I mean? I think to me, it's kind of one of those things where you should have an idea of how your character is going to behave, whether or not you can quantify that in one of these nine boxes is a whole nother story. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand where you're coming from, where you, you want to have an idea of what sort of how your character is going to react to certain things. But I just, not that I really think that the alignment system was amazing. I just don't think that completely throwing it out, like you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater at that point. I think that's a fair statement. I think you're, you're not, you're not thinking broad enough. You're just going rather than think about this. We're just going to say, ignore this and do whatever you want. And I hate to say it, but fifth edition feels like they did a lot of that. You know what I mean? Fifth edition feels like they went, uh, that's too much thinking. Just, we'll just ignore this and, and you do what you like. Yeah. Not that I really hate fifth edition. I think it's, it's probably the, I don't know that I would go as far as saying it's the best edition of Dungeons and Dragons. It's the most easily accessible and universally cared about edition of Dungeons and Dragons. But I just, it, from playing older editions, from touching other editions, like I played a bit of Pathfinder back in the day, just like one or two sessions, but I played enough of it to get a feel for it. And I know that like Pathfinder was essentially 3.75. So I know that I can not speak as an authority on it, but I've played two, three, four, and five now of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And having touched almost all versions of it, I can say that fifth is the cleanest, nicest version, but it's also got a lot of flaws. And that's not saying that none of the other ones had flaws. They all had flaws, but fifth edition has its particular flaws, like especially bad. I think, well, I think fifth edition probably overall functions at least as good, if not better than, than pretty much all the other editions. Unfortunately, it also kind of in some ways, I don't want to say it feels the most vanilla because, well, maybe that's a good way to say it. It feels the most vanilla, but to me, fourth edition didn't feel as creative as an RPG should. Fourth edition feels like a miniatures RPG. Third edition feels the closest to what a more modern tabletop RPG is, but there was too much of third edition. The problem with third edition was everybody liked it and they put out a ton of it and it flooded the market and then became super like it became super gatekeeping. It became to this point where if you didn't have the books or you didn't have the time to do the research, you weren't committed to this game. Don't even bother playing. Yeah. And that's a shame 
because if if we could get a game if we could get a game that's a mix between fifth and third edition i think it would be really really good i think you sort of keep the ideas of fifth edition which is we're not going to put out a ton of of rule stuff we're not going to put out a ton of these like new races and classes and all this stuff we're just going to keep it plain and simple everything's going to be in easily accessible books you don't have to spend all day every day trying to figure out how to min max your character but at the same time you know you're going to get you're going to get a little bit more complexity you're going to get a little bit more just a little bit more complexity out of fifth edition i think i would really like that game i was going to say i think for me and look we've we've been through some of our gripes with with fifth edition you know we did the D is and everything bagel episode a while back but i think for me if i had the three five skill system with the rest of fifth edition i think i would like it better yeah i there's a reason why i don't say i would never play D again because if a new edition came out i would definitely try it i'm definitely gonna get it on a table and be like okay how's the new edition of D play oh cool it feels like D D, except they've changed these things and made it better oh great sweet now I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, and I may play fifth edition again at some point. It's just yeah. right now it's not my, what I'm looking for. I think, I think it, it, at this point for me, and I, I can say this pretty definitively, unless somebody was running something really special, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to grab fifth edition and play that. It's not the, if I want to play D and D, it's not the edition that I'm throwing on a table. And I'm mm-hmm. just saying that now. I, I would throw second edition down just to throw people for a loop. Like I'd love to get people that have only played fifth edition and just throw second edition on a table and go, here's Thacko deal with it. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, your armor class? Your armor class is negative one. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's their yeah. brains melt. Like <laughs> I talked to a guy. I, I, I know there's people out there and I'm sure there's listeners of our show, but I, I talked to a guy at our local hobby shop that was like, oh, I still know the uh, I still know the equation on how to calculate Thacko. So I didn't need the table. And I'm like, you are a braver man than I. <laughs> like, I, I have a friend like that as well. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I could I couldn't tell you. I, I, I look at that nice little table that they gave me and go, oh, it hits. <laughs> but yeah. we were talking about alignment. And I got off into the weeds. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. It's our show. We can do what we want. Yeah, that's true. All right, forget alignment. We're talking about D&D today. All right. (laughs) So alignment, like I said, good people can do bad things. Bad people can do good things. And morally gray is something that I think tends to get lost in alignment. I think people get hung up on, oh, my alignment says I'm chaotic good. So I have to be like, I have to be good but I also have to cause a little bit of chaos. And to me, that's not what chaotic good would mean. To me, in my opinion, chaotic good means that you're about, you're about balance or you're like, like I said, Peter Quill, which is, you know, I'm doing this for the greater good, but sometimes, but sometimes I can let my emotions and me being a character or person get in the way of doing good things. And I think, that's something that people tend to forget too, is that when you're playing a character, you're, you're not playing like a character in a video game is very different than a character in an RPG. 
I look at characters in RPGs more like a character in a movie than I do a character in a video game. Mm -hmm. Most video games, even even RPGs have strict, you know, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go from here to there to here to there and you're going to do this. And, you know, they'll have branching paths and all that. But I look at a, a character in RPGs as I'm playing a character in a movie. I'm playing a character who is, you know, what is this character's voice? What are they doing? What are their mannerisms? And I'm not thinking about, like, I am thinking about at times my alignment and I, I in our Genesis game that we've been playing, right? Mm-hmm. My character that I'm playing is, I would describe him as chaotic good, maybe chaotic neutral in most cases. He is very much about trying to help people and doing good by whatever means necessary. Mm-hmm. Some people will say that's chaotic evil. Like some people would be like, no, that's even though you're still trying to do good, you're, you're being evil. It's like, I don't see it that way. And I don't think my character would see it that way. And I think alignment is one of those things where, again, you have to look at it like a, like a movie, like John McClane is a chaotic, good character. He does bad things for good reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in that matrix. Yeah. I I would put him at, at that point. He's a it, good guy, but he doesn't play by the rules. Well, I mean, like Lethal Weapon. You know, you look at that. Look at, uh, what is it, Murtog? No, that's Riggs. Yeah, Riggs is Gibson, I believe. Riggs is Gibson. So look at look at Riggs. Riggs is, Riggs is very much like a chaotic neutral character where Riggs isn't in it for any sort of necessarily good. He's just in it for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just because he's doing good doesn't mean that he really cares. Riggs is a character that is very, very much like a definition of chaotic neutral. He's neutral to the situation and he is an agent of chaos, but he is, you know, just in those movies, he's trying to do good. Okay. Well, but in any other context, you could see him doing something completely messed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, like you're saying, you know, I view RPGs much more as a movie than as a video game. And in a video game, because it's all coded, you can have this action is two steps this direction. This, you know, this other action, your other choice is two steps the other direction or whatever. But in the context of an RPG, it's much less defined. It's not coded. It's, well, I'm going this way, which is the good thing, but I'm really only doing it because it has this other outcome that's what I want. So I don't give a crap about it being good. I'm doing it because it's good for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you follow the the classic nine box alignment blindly, it it reduces how, I don't know if fluid is the right word, but, but how living your character can feel. Yeah. Alive. Believable. Believable yeah. would maybe be the word that I would use because it's not necessarily... Alignment doesn't make a character alive. Personality makes a character alive. It's a layer of complexity. Yeah, alignment does help with making your character believable, making your character, making it feel like the thing for me is that I always want characters that feel like they could be a real person, but they're just a little bit too flamboyant to actually exist. Yeah, that's a lot of, you know, where where I go with characters, too. Like I talked about our Genesis game, Cole, you know, that could be a real guy. He's a bumbling fool. He's sort of crazy. He's, he's sporadic, but you know, he's sort of a believable person. I've known people in my life like that, except 
he's in an unrealistic situation. He's, you know, it's just this character who is, is a little bit just off of what real life would be. And that's what I go to RPGs for is to get that. I don't want real life in my RPGs. Like I don't mind a little bit of it, but I don't want, I use it for escapism mostly. And, and in in my mind, when I play characters, I don't want them like, I I never want to play the town guard character, you know, the town guard paladin. You talked about it as lawful stupid. Like I don't want to play that character because there's enough. We don't need any more rigid rules. Like you don't need Barney Fife. No, I, I don't need Barney Fife. If I needed that, I would go and and watch some Andy Griffith show. But, <laughs> you know, but and I'm saying that, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek. No, but I know what you're saying. It's it's you don't need the. Yeah. But I think letting your characters and let's go back to Captain America. Captain America is in the comics, especially is not this like he's squeaky clean, but he's not squeaky clean. He's done things that he regrets. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he's done things for the greater good that are, are not, would not be deemed as good. And that's just goes along with the character. That's just how it is. And I think that's one of the things that I think that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind is that your alignment doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do only that type of thing. If you feel that your character, if you feel that your character would be upset in a situation and make a dumb decision, do it. Yeah. What, why are you, why don't hold back? Just do it. Like Peter Quill, Peter Quill unloading in, in that one scene is the perfect example of if that was a D and D campaign, I could see myself doing that exact thing. And it's, it's on you and the DM to play that out and the repercussions that come with it. But if you feel that you're, if you feel that you've been outraged enough or your character's outraged enough that it's time to act, go ahead and act and let it happen. And if, if there's something, something needs to change with that, that's a conversation to have at the table. You know what I mean? If somebody says like, if the DM says, no, I don't want you to do this then you need to have a conversation, but my character would do this. This makes sense because he's, you know, upset because of this. And that starts a conversation at the table. I I think that's also on the DM to, if somebody says my character's getting upset, my character's getting upset. And then it's finally over the line. Just let it happen. Just say yes. And you know, if you have what happens next written down on a piece of paper and that completely goes out the window. Okay. It went out the window. It's okay. Yeah. Well, and I think too, though, and maybe some of this, you know, the alignment system is a holdover from the very early editions of D&D. And I think there's also been a drastic shift in what RPGs are in the, you know, in the early days, I think they were much more of an, a simulation extension of war games. And now they've become much more of a communal storytelling, cooperative storytelling thing. Yeah. And so what, you you're telling a story as opposed to acting out something based on this specific rule structure. Yeah. And I think that changes what you want out of alignment, if you will. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I I completely understand where you're coming from that, you know, RPGs have changed. And I think that's one of the faults that I have with D and D is that D and D hasn't really changed. (laughs) RPGs have changed. Yeah. 
but and I, I I think about this sometimes specifically with D and D is, you know, how much of it is being kept because it's D and D. You know, in other words, if they get rid of it, people are going to scream. But it's D and D; it has to have whatever. Yeah, I I wonder if that's the case. At the same time, they did try with the newest edition to make it more narrative. It's still not quite as narrative as it could be because there are games out there that are pure narrative and that's not necessarily what I'd come to D and D for. I don't come to D and D for a pure narrative, but I do come to D and D and I, I wouldn't mind seeing them take it in a more narrative way. And it would make it feel a lot more modern in that particular way. And I, I know this is, I get the feeling sometimes when we talk about this stuff that, and not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but I feel like sometimes that we're old men who are like, or we're we're in the very niche of it and are like no but this weird like thing that's popular within the subgenre is doing it this way but at, at the same time we're talking about like tabletop RPGs that a lot of people are playing but not as many people are playing as as D&D you know what i mean mhm but i feel that D&D needs more narrative. I, I I definitely feel that way. And I, I think that narrative would help it a lot, but you know, there's other games, there's other games for that. Genesis is a great narrative system. Mm-hmm. Mutants and masterminds is a fantastic, like I would love to play more mutants and masterminds in the very near future. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to get a handle on how character creation works. Cause even when we talked with Alex originally about that, he did say that, it is kind of crunch loaded to character creation. So I'm curious as to how that looks, you know, because the, the characters we're playing in the, in the thing that everyone's hearing on the air is, you know, they were his pre-gens. We just showed up and started clicking buttons. Right. But I mean, at the same time, clicking buttons in that sees that system seems really fun. And I'm, I'm looking at it going, yeah, I, I, not that I need another thing on my plate, but I'm seriously debating on like, hitting up a couple of my friends that are really into superheroes and being like, Hey, I know you like superheroes. Would you want to play a superhero RPG? I know you haven't really played RPGs before, but this system, the system seems really simple. It seems really well built. It's a D 20 system, which makes it indicative of not necessarily indicative, but D 20 systems are a little bit easier for new players to get their heads around. But it didn't feel like a D 20 system to me. No, it felt like it easily could have been a D100 system or some some other type of system. It didn't necessarily feel like a D20, but it still felt easy to learn and easy to pick up. Even even looking at it from like my girlfriend was even talking to me about she's like this system seems really easy. Like she was listening to our actual play and she's like, "Uh, I don't really know what's going." Like she wasn't fully paying attention, but she seemed like it was like simple enough that she could get her head around it. You know what I mean? Roll dice compared to the number and you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I would definitely play it again. Yeah. And like I said, I want to see about getting some of my friends who don't play RPGs and being like, Hey, I have a couple characters here, you know, ready to go. If you'd like to try this. Cause I have a buddy that's been like, Oh, I need to, I want to play some D and D or something. I don't know, but I want to get into that. I'm like, well, yeah, I got to find time, but Mm-hmm. but I, I think mutants and masterminds is a great system, but that's, I, I don't remember where I was going with this. I don't either, but it, it was pleasant conversation. Yeah. We're talking <laughs> about other systems. 
Yeah, we that's were talking about other systems. That's where it started. Uh, but Mutants of Masterminds is a great system. and But yeah, so on the other systems note, because it seems like as good of a segue as either we're going to come up with, to go back to what you mentioned at the top of the show, I've had my criticisms of the Palladium engine, and I don't make them a secret, but one thing that I will, and I've always said this, I think the alignment system that Palladium uses is actually very good. It's not as rigidly defined, I don't think, as the D&D system. But at the same point, I think they also do a much better job of giving you behavioral examples of how someone of that type of that alignment might tend to react to situations. Well, like I told you, it's not 10, but it, they, they really give you the alignment and then essentially the 10 commandments of that alignment. Mm-hmm. But like, this is how someone in that alignment should act cool that's really helpful and it's not a rigid it, i was just reading over the section it's not a rigid hard you know you have to act in these ways it's you should act like this right and like there's their alignment instead of having the the two axis thing they have three broader categories they have good selfish and evil and then within that there's two different alignments that are under the quote unquote good two under the quote-unquote selfish, and then three under the quote-unquote evil. And like you said, it's it's not a Ten Commandments, but there's somewhere between 10 and I think 13 points is the highest I saw, something like that, that, you know, this is how this alignment will tend to react. You know, they're going to avoid lies. They're never going to kill for pleasure or, you know, et cetera. But the one alignment, and when I used to run riffs, this was the one that a lot of people actually used to, to go to because it felt like, I guess, they everyone always said the most fun. It's, there's one they call aberrant, which is technically amongst the evil alignments. But to read a little you know, bit of the blurb from the book, it says the, the cliche that there is no honor among thieves is false when dealing with the aberrant character. This is a person who is driven to attain their goals through force, power, and intimidation. Yet aberrant person stands apart from the norm on their own, excuse me, stands apart from the norm with their own personal code of conduct, etc., etc. And so this is kind of like, yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to say a Robin Hood, but maybe a Punisher. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and like, there's there's a... How would you define the Punisher in D&D alignment? You wouldn't. He would be chaotic evil, and you'd just sort of way, hand wave that away. But he's not... I mean, he he is a bad guy, but he's not one of the bad guys. <laughs> Typically. Uh, yeah. Ish. Like I said, he would be... He'd be chaotic... He'd be chaotic hand wavy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like I said, and that's, you know, so I would say, you know, and I might even, if, if I were ever to run D&D again, I might whip out one of my old Palladium books and go, okay, alignment, we're using this game. <laughs> but, you know, it, because it is, and, and I'm surprised, I'm surprised that other games haven't, because honestly, off the top of my head, other than your assorted D&D clones, whether or not you classify Pathfinder as that is up to you, but other than that, in the Palladium engine, like, I don't know if, like, Cypher uses alignment. I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't know of any other systems that do. Yeah, I, I really, I know Genesis doesn't. Um, yeah, Savage Worlds doesn't. World no. of Darkness didn't. If World of Darkness used alignment, it would just all be evil. 
Well, just, what flavor evil are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then there's also the, the question when you go to alignment is, is alignment the perception against some sort of empirical standard or is it the character's perception of themselves? Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, because most of the time, even the bad guys don't think they're bad guys. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes bad guys don't think they're bad guys. Sometimes bad guys know they're bad guys. Yes. But in a sense, I think that's that's often in the, what do you want to say, the more cartoony, well, we're using this, I'm the bad guy, so I am the evil, evil supervillain. Uh, I'm... Mm. Let me just write something down. Just gonna Okay. You just gave me an idea for a game. Sorry. That's <laughs> I Attention podcast listeners. Steve is writing something. Yeah. No, it Steve is incredibly is... entertaining radio. Yeah. Steve is Steve is marking that down because you just made me think about like how to play a character that is evil without making them seem like ha ha ha, I am the bad guy. Which I could see. I just, yeah, don't worry about that. That'll be over here in the corner somewhere. Um, eh, where was I? Uh, okay. I can't brain anymore. Yeah, it's been a long week, hasn't it? It really has. So, because I can't brain anymore, do you just want to get into Game of the Week? Game of the Week! Game of the Week! We could do that if you'd like. I actually have something picked out. Do you? Uh, yeah, I got something. Okay, now there I got a. Okay, there it is. I had found it, and then I apparently closed the tab it was on, hmm. but I found it again. I'll let you go first. So, all right. Well, my game of the week this week, and I just happened across this, and uh, this is actually a well storyteller story pass pseudo World of Darkness game. This is called Dystopia Rising Evolution. And it is essentially a World of Darkness, looks to be kind of a zombie apocalypse movie. Or not movie, but a game. You know, it's no one knows how long it's been since the world was blast, blasted with nuclear radiation and became infested with the undead. The survivors of the fall were the first strain of deviation of the human condition and were able to make it through the rapidly spreading ep epidemic. Finding a community of decent size in this world is rare. Finding one that has any concept of equality or morality is rarer still. And so it's got, you know, like it's just uh, rules for creating characters of 24 different strains, which are all variations of humanity that survive what they're calling the fall, which I'm assuming is, you know, the zombie apocalypse type thing. You know, it's got details on various powers of faith and psionics. Um, like I said, it, it looks like a very, very much kind of a zombie apocalypse game. And, um, you know, it's from Onyx Path. Art looks... Pretty cool. I mean, I'm not the biggest zombie film, zombie apocalypse person, but it, it looks like it could be pretty fun. And, well, right now it's on sale because I shouldn't have looked at Drive-Thru RPG because they're having a post-apocalyptic okay. sale while we're recording, and that could be very bad for me. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, just if, if it's... I don't know. I don't ever know how long these sales run for, but if it's still happening, they do have the... Judge Dredd in 2000 AD bundle, the Russ Morrissey stuff, $57. Uh, runs through June 13th, so day after tomorrow. So, yeah, won't be won't be by the time anyone hears this, but we can look at things and 
rack up incredible wish lists. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, they have the Judge Dread and Worlds of 2000, or 2000 AD bundle on sale. It was like $57. Ooh. Yeah. yeah it was, was, game it was everything. A few shows back. Yeah. It was, it's the Judge Dread core book, Robot Wars, 2000 AD presents sci-fi thrillers, Cadet Anderson. Yeah. Just, Ooh. it's a couple different books. But yeah, like I said, I think this... And look, I know the zombie apocalypse genre is really popular with a lot of people. So, I mean, it would seem to me that this could be, like I said, if that's your thing, I'm sure it could be a really fun game because it looks like I could have fun with it and it's not my thing. So, Well, mine, my game of the week is, uh, my game of the week is cheap. I am going with Mutants and Masterminds as my game of the week because it has been on my mind since we've played it and I have been like, not that I was on the fence. I, I, you guys know from listening to the podcast, I didn't really know anything about supers RPGs going in. I didn't quite get it. And now having played mutants and masterminds, I get it. I understand. And I'm going to say that that is my game of the week. It's a fantastic D 20 system. I bought the book after I played it a little bit and was just like, this is going in. This is going in my cart. I'm just coming home with me. And yeah, mutants and masterminds go get mutants and masterminds it's a fantastic system it really is i i mean and i think the the, the recording that you guys are, are hearing you know sandwiched around this or whatever that was in all honesty is the first time i've ever played a supers rpg and yes i played a meathead but i did that actually somewhat on purpose because i don't have the knowledge of the characters that a lot of people do and so drax kind of felt like low-hanging fruit who I could still have a lot of fun with. Yeah, and I think I, I really appreciate, and Alex did an awesome job running that game. I think part of like your apprehension for picking a character was the fact that it was going on live. Yeah, to a certain amount, yes. That we were recording that. Because I think at a, at a private table where you're, you're the only people that you have to worry about knowing that character or the other people at the table. And honestly, depending on your group, you can just pick a character that, you know, like, Oh, I like this character tangentially, but you know, yeah, I, I like this character. I know what this character is from say the movies, or I know what this character is from a couple comics that I've read, but I don't know him inside, outside and backwards. And I think that's part of the daunting thing with supers RPGs is, trying to know a character inside outside and backwards but if you're just playing locally if you're just playing with your friends who cares if you're playing christian bale batman or you're playing robert downey jr tony stark like who cares that's well, fine you can also make your own superhero you yeah. know because we were playing in the marvel universe which interestingly enough in the last week or so it's come out that marvel is releasing their own rpg next year Boo-boo-his. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, for whatever that's if worth, that's you know, not based on mutants and masterminds. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. Um, Don't buy it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, uh, well, I think Matt Forbeck is the main designer behind it, and I know that name. I just don't remember what from exactly. But I mean, I think the thing that I really hadn't realized until we played that is that in a the context of a supers game you go for the over the top the gonzo and it doesn't feel like you're wrecking the game to do it no because everybody at the table's doing it 
That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing I loved the most about it was that, yeah, I can do the crazy thing and nobody's going to look at me sideways because I'm doing the thing that everybody else is doing. Yeah. And like, okay, you know, to go, cause I don't want to spoil anything. Cause I think this, this show should air between the second and third installments of Mutants okay. masterminds. But like in the first episode that you heard, I used an aim minion as a club to smash into the giant robot. Well, if you think about that, that's a very comic book panel type of action. Yeah. And all Alex did was go, okay, well, so we're going to make a, a melee attack, but you're technically going to have to use multi-attack because the damage is going to apply to both the club and the club E. <laughs> and, and that was great. And like, it's just a, yeah, honestly, Mutants and Masterminds is a fantastic game. Even if you're not into supers gaming, I think you could play other types of games with that, but you just got to understand that it's not meant for subtlety. I don't think that game system, like narratively, maybe if you have a DM that can do it, it's fine. Every game system can do subtlety, whatever. But I think that game is, that game is more meant for, for lack of a better term, like I'll just say all out crazy play. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but the genre allows for that without it being without it being hokey, without yes. it being uh without it being distracting to the table. Because that is one of the biggest problems when you have a character who is is all out like that, it can be like when you have a dark and brooding character and then the the goofy all out character, it can really make you feel like, "Oh, well this guy just doesn't this guy just doesn't care about the subtlety of my character, but mutants and masterminds lets you do that and lets you be subtle, but over the top in every, every way that is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. It does. It very much does. And the other thing that I liked, and, and we touched on this a little bit again, in the, the first episode, the, the encounter that we had, there were like, what were there? Four or five groups of these minions. Five and they were like four minions. a piece. Yep. And, when Alex first dropped a map, we're like, oh my God, there's all kinds of people here. This is going to, but they use minion rules actually very similar to what Genesis does. And so it actually played because, really smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. I reflect what Shane was playing and er, what Shane was saying about how, when you saw those minions hit the table, your brain as a DM goes, oh, this is a lot. And then you realize that, no, we're using minion rules and, and the minion rules are great, like just fantastic. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I definitely would like to to mess around with that. And now I don't think it got said. Alex is actually on the dev team for Mutants and Masterminds. Now, he wasn't actually when we initially talked to him back on episode 28 or whatever. It was like the week or two after that. <laughs> he was yeah. able to announce that he got hired by Green Ronin, but. We are talking, you know, in our case, the DM we played with does know the system incredibly well. And I've had some conversations with him where he has used mutants and masterminds to run. I think he said he's run Fallout. He's run Star Wars. He's runs all kinds of stuff in it. But again, that is his system. He does know it extremely well. So just because he pulled it off doesn't mean that you or I could if we just pick it up and try to do it. Right. And, and like I said, it's, it's, I bought it. It is going to get read sooner rather than later because I do want to get it on a table just for a private game. Like 
I want to get it on a table just for some friends of mine and just here we go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that that's on the short list and getting there. So, but with that, I think we've come to the end of the episode. So I do want to thank everybody for coming out and listening. If you haven't check out our discord, me and Steve talk RPGs, um, anywhere podcasts are found, you know, that, that whole thing, me and Steve RPGs is the name of the discord. As always, discord link is in the show notes along with Twitter, Facebook. Have you put anything on TikTok yet? Not yet. No <laughs> getting there. Just haven't had time, but will be, uh-huh. uh, haven't gotten to TikTok yet, but I did say it on air, so it will happen. I, I promise I'm just slow at getting stuff done. Probably I might work on something this weekend. Check us out. Uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Um, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Uh, come to our Discord and yell at us about games. If you don't like my voice, you can uh, write to the complaint department, and, and Steve handles the complaints. Yes, and, he does. But with that, I do want to thank you all for coming out. I want to thank you for listening and rekind you, rekind you to be. Why do what you would you remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs? Yep. Take care. Be kind, folks. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Oh, Craig didn't even bother to show up on his own today. (laughs) Craig said, forget you. I'm done. I quit. You, Craig, too. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we could, but... You can't put that as the outtake for the episode. Oh, I can't. I can just put a put a tone over it. <laughs> there you go. Huh? Uh, ma 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 ma